You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. podcast the happy monday it's an early edition of the rouge white and blue cfl podcast edition my name is oz davis i'll be your co-host for the show and as always my co-host is joe pritchard joe why are we recording on monday yeah totally my fault right (laughs) right yes yes it is actually uh because uh on tuesday night uh, probably sometime around when you've da- when you're downloading this, or hopefully you downloaded it even sooner than that. I'll be in the air from Yay! here to Chicago, and then Chicago to Toronto. And then on Wednesday night, I'll be taking a concert with my lovely wife, so I cannot be recording the show that night. Gee, what are you doing on Thursday? Nothing special. Why? Why do you Why do you ask? <laughs> Uh, because I noticed that on that night, your Bombers, I think, 14.5-point favorites against the home Toronto Argonauts. I was wondering. And, and I heard that there might be tickets available. Uh, maybe so. Maybe so. I've already got my <laughs> tickets that night. Uh, oh. So uh, I'm hoping to up my live Bomber action record from a pitiful, pitiful, pitiful 1-5 because I'm terrible at picking games to actually go to, to 2-5. One in five? Well, it's my fault. The first three games I went to see the Bombers were in Regina on Labor Day, so I, I, I was begging for a 1-3 oh, to start. Oh, oh, then oh, the oh. fourth was in Hamilton when Hamilton had their stupid hot streak uh, about four years ago. Right. So okay. that okay. also terrible, terrible choice of uh, games to go to if I actually wanted to see the Bombers do any good. Then I started going to Okay, Badger so Bowl. you're just including games that the Bombers are in right now. Yes. So you're not including like the Grey Cup when the Bombers are not playing. Right. No, I've seen a few I've seen a few <laughs> of those too, but no, Bomber live record is bad, but four of those are because I've made terrible choices about where huh. to go to see the Bombers do well. The last two live Bomber games I've seen were Banjo Bowls, which were both highly competitive. Right. They played well in one and not so well in the other but at least i have a faint stirring of hope that they will win when i go to those all right all right so now this is your first trip up to canada this year right for a game first one this year uh if all goes as planned and nothing deters me from this plan it'll be the first year i go to three games Okay, yes, 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 yes. And we have covered this before, but let me tell you, your uh, record uh, feels pretty good uh, this week because, I, as I understand it, your competition lost 26 to nothing and barely showed up last week. Yeah, uh, so I'm hoping that 2 and 5 is in the cards, then I'm hoping 3 and 5 is in the cards, and if I've been a really good boy this year, Santa Claus will bring me 4 and 5. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. You will go four and five this year. I mean, that's what the wisdom says, but we shall see. Right. Let's talk last week's games, only two of which were worth really talking about and one for rather auspicious reasons. Let's talk Calgary Stampeders 17, 
Ottawa Red Black 16. Now, we'll talk about the call, and you can put that in caps uh, momentarily. But I wanted to ask you, what did you make of John Jennings in this game, Joe? Uh, one week after we proclaimed him dead uh, in the water, uh, he wasn't bad, you know, 15 of 18. He did have two picks, but those two picks were erased. Um, one was erased two weeks, two plays later with a with a fumble uh, by Arbuckle, and then the other one was erased by a three and out. So, I mean, how, how would you rank John Jennings in this game? Did, did he save himself for a couple more games here? Not by his play, no. I mean, the completion no? percentage looks pretty, but 15 yeah. completions. Go ahead, touchdown. He's, he led to the go ahead, touchdown. That was too. the one drive he had that was worth a crap the whole game. Right. <clears throat> right. 15 right. completions for 125 yards. That's less than 10 yards a completion, much right. less the right. attempt number. 23 right. is your longest gainer? Mm, no. That's not going <laughs> to fly. This is a far cry from Trevor Harris, is what you're saying. Uh, Trevor, okay. he makes Trevor Harris look like the Mad Bomber with those numbers. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, unfortunately, John still making a couple of questionable decisions out there. Um, okay. All right. So I guess that's pretty much all I've got here except I should point out before we get to the call this is now uh, two weeks in a row that Calgary has failed to cover the spread against a pretty mediocre team they did not even score a touchdown in this game on offense or defense instead they got five field goals and a safety so let's talk about that safety um, I know for a fact that I, we have at least one listener who may not be able to catch every game because I believe he's living in Turkey now. Uh, I know him from Hungary, but I believe, like I say, he's residing in Turkey. But I just recently found out through the magic of social media that he enjoys CFL football as well. So let's just recap it for Jake and anybody else who might not have seen the game and understand the controversy. So with a minute and 14 remaining... The Red Blacks have the ball third down on their own six. Call a timeout <laughs> beforehand. That's the weird bit, I think. And then has the punter run back six yards for a safety. And then we follow this up. Okay, so then that makes the score what? 16-14 right. at that point. 16 now, to 12 course, going into it. Right. Now, the significance there, of course, is that now all of a sudden all Calgary has to do is score the field goal to win the game rather than score the touchdown and win the game. Or I suppose like the field goal and a rouge to tie the game and send it in overtime. But that's just silly. Right. So and and there's also the possibility there's the added possibility that maybe the touchdown comes quickly and Ottawa even gets the ball again to kick the field goal and send it back in overtime. Okay. Instead, what happens is we get a punt. Uh, I guess respectable punt, but it works out to be a net 35-yard kickoff. I shouldn't say punt, kickoff. It works out to be a 35-yard kickoff. You know, twice Ottawa lets Calgary get the first down conversion on second down. I think they had something like six plays all of which went for positive yardage. 
um, you know, no incomplete passes. They almost completed a third second down. I mean, they were only one yard short. They might have made that as well. And uh, so, again, like in these situations, often folks want to blame the coach. They want to place the blame on one person. But how much of the blame do you place on Campbell for making a very bad call? But then how much do you put on the rest of the team for not, like, you know, getting the job done? It's the coaches. It's the coach's job to put his team in the best position to win a game, and with like that said, mis- right. with that mistake, he didn't do it. Uh, the way I think of it is a very simple math problem here. So, let's assume the punt would have ended up with Calgary having the ball somewhere around the Ottawa forty. Well, they need okay. forty yards to go to score to score and right. win the game. Now, think about what happened on the kickoff. They get Calgary gets the ball darn near near midfield. They've only got 15 to 20 yards to get a 90% chance to win the game with Rene Paredes. Right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't see how that got made things better. Right, and I saw that the Twitter explosion was all about, um, you know, you got to trust in your defense to make the stop. Uh, and there's a there's an argument to be made here. I mean, you know, like I said at the top of the show or at the top of this segment, um, you know, Calgary didn't score a touchdown in this whole game. They had only scored three points in the half to this point. Now, isn't this a case of I mean, because here's a guy he's coming out of the famed, you know, 2010s Stampeders system. Okay, as a coach, he was the defensive coordinator out there. Isn't this just a case where he overthought yeah, things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very much so uh, with the overthinking. Uh, yep. Thinking has always gotten me into trouble in the past, so I try not to do it as often <laughs> as I can. Uh, always do? Always? Just about. about. Not, not, not every <laughs> single time, but still. Enough times to make me not want to do it very, very often. But I don't know. Really? To me, thinking is the only thing I get right most of the time. But if I have to do something, that's when I'm in trouble. Yeah. But uh, but it's very simple. You punt the ball away, and then your defense has a chance to keep them out of the end zone, which they've done the whole game. Sure, it's a short field, but make them beat you. Don't hand them the opportunity to beat you. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, like, gave them the handicap, right? <laughs> and I was thinking about this, too. It didn't even help the gamblers. Because anybody that was taking Calgary minus the points had already lost the game. Oh, yeah. Anybody anybody who was taking Ottawa plus the points had already won the game. You know, so it didn't even help the gamblers. You couldn't even you couldn't even make up a nice conspiracy about it. So, um, okay. So on the let, let's talk a little bit beyond that because I mean, I mean this podcast is coming out on Tuesday, what the thirtieth uh, of July. So it's already going to be talked to death in CFL Twitter and CFL media. So what about the Stampeders? They're doing what they have to to stay afloat. And when you've right. got your backup quarterback in because of an injury to your starter, it's something that we've harped on over and over and over again. You just need to stay afloat uh, as long as the starter is back within a reasonable amount of time. Now, if Bo ends up being out for the season, well, and this is what they are, well, I'm not so enthused about it. But the fact that they're staying afloat right now with the, with their backup, uh, I gotta give them full marks for it. They're not winning every game. They're not making it look pretty, but they're giving Bo a chance when he comes back to lead a run 
toward first place. And that's all you can ask your backup to do. Well, now, Nick Arbuckle did not have a bad game. I mean, he had a very, again, he had, true, it all comes back to Trevor Harris. He had a very Trevor Harris-esque game. Even better, he out-Trevor Harris, Trevor Harris this week. 30 of 37 for 370 yards. 10 yards even per attempt. That's pretty damn good to go with a completion rate of 81%. I mean, so... You know, that's pretty impressive, even if he didn't put the ball in the end zone. Now, he did have the bad fumble when they actually looked like they were going to score a touchdown. I believe it was in the third quarter. It might have been in the fourth quarter when it actually looked like they were going to score. But he he did fumble there. But, you know, no interceptions. No touchdowns, but no interceptions. So a very Harris-like game out of uh, Arbuckle. So, you know, it's not like he's doing badly. Um, you know, I liked what Kerry did in this game as well. Kadeem Kerry, <laughs> I liked what he did in this game. Uh, had like nine carries. What is it? Seventy yards. Wow, I knew he had a lot of yards. Seventy yards. Wow, that's a lot. Um, you know, so I, 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 I kind of liked what they did, and yeah, they're doing just enough to win. This again, you know, we like to compare these guys to the Patriots. This is what you do. You just win enough. You know, it's a game of points. It's not a game of field position. It's a game of points. You just got to get enough points to win. I thought this was pretty hilarious. You know, I was watching this this go down, and and you look at the uh, the quarters, you know, the scoreboard of this thing, and it looks like a modern baseball game. I mean, it was nine nine at the half. That looks like a that looks like a baseball game these days. I'm I'm just on a rant about baseball. <laughs> I can't stand baseball these days. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different <laughs> game than what I grew up with. That is for sure. It sure is. It sure is. It's it's uh, what do they call that? Home run derby. That's what it is. Everybody likes the home run derby in the All Star game, so let's make all the games like that. In any case, I'm I'm very intrigued with this Stan Peters team going forward. I like how they're manufacturing wins here. I mean, okay, they were kind of given this one, but all right, let me ask you this: say the right decision was made what do you think the odds are that the stamps would have scored the touchdown that's a tougher one because they did start <laughs> they did start shredding the Ottawa defense that was trying to shut them down at the end but Ottawa had a lot more field to cover too they had to worry about a deep shot right. to win the game whereas with Calgary starting closer but needing that touchdown they're pro <laughs> they got to get they got to move the ball a lot closer. You might not even worry so much about the deep ball at that point. Right. Right. Exactly. Because they'd still have a lot of time. Right. I think that was the real issue is that like 74 seconds. I mean, even for Arbuckle. I mean, okay, here's another question I wanted to ask you. If Bo Levy had been the quarterback, what would he have done? Yeah, again, another good question. Now, I think he would have probably tried to force the issue because we've seen that happen mm. a few times in huge games where it's all on his shoulders. It's They give him one drive for the game, and he's trying to win it with a home run. I don't know if Arbuckle would have done that. I think Arbuckle would have done what he, no. what he was doing, which was slicing the defense on short passes, getting some right. yards after the catch, moving closer. Now... Do they get it when they're when they've moved another twenty yards or so? Do they get into the end zone at that point? Maybe, maybe not. But I think uh, Arbuckle tries to move them closer as opposed to going for it all in one shot. Mm -hmm. 
it's weird. It's weird what's happening in the CFL this season vis-a-vis quarterbacks because now with Mazzoli out for the season, which we'll talk about momentarily, with Mazzoli out for the season, all the all the quarterbacks now are small ball players except for your guy all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> who's been a small ball player for most of his career but is now a big play guy. But everybody now is going to this high efficiency, you know, 8 to 10 yards per pass attempt offense. Which um, works great like, until you throw an incompletion. <laughs> which works. I thought you were going to go, which works great if you're playing a team like the Toronto Argonauts. <laughs> so just too. Very briefly on Edmonton Eskimos 26, Toronto Argonauts 0. Uh, I'm basically just really tired of talking about the Argonauts, the Toronto Argonauts and the BC Lions. To the Ottawa Red Blacks' credit, at least they gave us a game this week against Calgary. In fact, you know, like Joe implied, they were in a position to win in that game. So so kudos to Ottawa, who haven't quite given up on this season yet and um, kind of have figured out who they are, which the Toronto Argonauts and BC Lions have not. So I guess the only positive thing, sort of, you can say for the Argonauts is uh, Dakota Prukup got his first snaps in his CFL game now. This guy is, uh, he's out of Oregon. So again, you know, a high-flying quarterback like our guy in, in Montreal, in theory, uh, but you know, came in. He's he's a highly touted prospect, apparently, according to my homework, according to my research. Um, but you know, in this game, threw two interceptions and put zero points on the board for the Argonauts. Um, did did you learn anything new from the Eskimos, or was this just you know the nice small ball playing and you know beating up an easy team? I'll be honest. I went to bed before before uh, this one's well, this one started as the Calgary game. Oh wow! <laughs> I just said, you know what? I know what's going to happen. I went to bed and I woke up, looked at the score, and went, "Yep," and went on with my yeah. day. Uh-huh. Yeah. To be to be honest, um, I was gonna catch this one on the replay, and then I accidentally saw the score. And in a lot of situations when that happens, I'll still watch the replay for the benefit of the show, and just because I like to see how it panned out. But in this one, nah, <laughs> the highlights were enough. Let's put it that the the highlights and the lowlights were enough on this game. Wow, poor Toronto just not worth watching let, let me ask you this one joe because i wanted to ask you this one okay if winnipeg is you know going against toronto i, I realize you're bringing the wife there and and she's she's a bit into the cfl game right but she's not a hardcore fan uh, no she she tends to give me a hard time about it but every once in a while i would say every couple of months or so she'll ask a question that will show me that she's paying attention even just right. by osmosis mostly but she knows more about it than she should uh for uh for a for a non non-in-depth football fan uh yeah she's just on the living and has always lived in wisconsin so uh that's kind of my fault uh, I'll take full right. blame for that one. Uh, but yeah, every once in a while there'll be a question. It's like, oh, you're paying attention. <laughs> and yeah. you don't want you to admit it, but you're paying attention. <laughs> you can't make them sports fans. I think it's a gene. I think you're born with it. In any case, um, so at what point will you walk out? 
or will you stay? I mean, if if Winnipeg is up like forty-five to nothing in the third, are you going to stick around to the bitter end? Uh, yeah. If they're losing by that much, I'm probably leaving so I don't destroy something. But if they're winning by that much, against Tor- I'm going to sit there and soak it in. Against Toronto, yeah, I, I think there's little fear of that. All right, let's talk about your team, which. I don't know. I don't know if they need a win, but it sure would be nice to go to Toronto this week after losing to Hamilton 23-15 in Hamilton. You know, I picked Hamilton in this game. I mean, this is not a brag. I'm just saying I picked Hamilton in this game because, again, I'm a big believer that the numbers are just falling into place. You know, this is the first time Winnipeg starts 5-0 and in 59 years or whatever since 1949, right, Joe, or 59, uh, something like that. Say, yeah, something like that. Okay, something crazy. Yeah, 1960. Um, I think the numbers just kind of caught up to the Bombers. Look, they looked – I mean, sorry, Joe. I mean, here's my analysis. I mean, the Bombers just kind of looked bad. They had a lot of turnovers, three interceptions, a couple fumbles, a turnover on downs. Uh, actually, that was the one that ended the game. So Yeah, and they, they couldn't you know, block Jared Davis, and they uh, came out flat. Yeah. So. I mean, what do yeah. you, what do you expect when that happens? Well, also, <laughs> also, no, no big plays. That was the thing that struck me. It was no big plays. I mean, they only had three plays that went over twenty yards, and none of them went over thirty. So, and plus, and 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 I'll tell you what: if you're in a game where after six minutes you're down fourteen to nothing, you gotta have some big plays. And to me, it was just remarkable that a team that's known for lightning plays just couldn't produce anything this game. But again, you know, for me, it was just the numbers balancing out. And I think when we talked about this game last week in our preview too, uh, I was sitting there going, at some point, they're just gonna lay an egg. They're just gonna have an awful game, and it just happened to happen this time around. I think my full analysis last week was if both teams played to their to what they can do. Winnipeg's going to win it. If not, well, whichever team doesn't play well is going to lose, and Winnipeg's a team that didn't play well. So uh, it'll be nice to have the palate cleanser of Toronto on the back end of that one so that you can just move (laughs) on pretty quickly, get it it out of your system, and come into a little bit of a rougher portion of the schedule uh, back on the upswing. Yeah, I mean, if... Look, if you want to lose to Hamilton or even any, you know, competitive team in the East, it should happen now, right? Get it early in the season. You're going to catch Hamilton and Winnipeg later. You get your revenge later, right? And you'll probably win because let's talk about this. Probably, I mean, aside from Hamilton winning the game and, and increasing the lead in the East with Montreal in the bye week, of course, the most important aspect here is that Jeremiah Masoli was knocked out of this game with an injury, a non-contact injury. Let me see. I've got this down here. Uh, this is a anterior cruciate ligament injury. Now, normally I wouldn't necessarily quote that, but of course, I'm quoting it because of the heavy irony. This is what took Zach Caleros out in 2015 when the Hamilton Tiger Cats had gotten off such a hot start and their quarterback looked like the MOP in this league. Uh, there, there have been a couple of news outlets in Canada quote, uh, you know, commenting on, on this and what's the problem here and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay. It was announced after the game that Masoli's out for the season. <laughs> what 
what's to be done, Joe? What what do you see for Hamilton going forward after this? Well, they won the battle, but I think they lost the war. Did they lose the war? Okay, I, uh, so I can't say that for sure because we need to see Dane Evans play for a little while. We yeah. need to see him it, it, for every indication and even watching this one, he looked like he was in control. He never looked like uh, like a pure rookie. No panic decisions, no happy feet. He looked like he was supposed to be there, and that's going to be a huge step going forward. Uh, come back to me in a month on that one. Well, again, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's almost like you have to hope that they go 500 the rest of the season. Now, if they go 500 the rest of the season, they've got enough of a head start here where that could still win them the East. Oh, it could. And they, and and they that, very well could finish even better than that. Right, right. Well, yeah, they get to beat up on Ottawa and Toronto a lot still this season. So, so that will definitely help the record. Now, I guess right now, yeah, the ball is in Dane Evans' hands also today on, on Monday. So it's uh, Monday the 29th of July. David Watford was signed now. This is a guy who played college ball at Hampton and Virginia. And uh, he actually played four games with the Riders last season <laughs> as part of that shuffle that happened in Saskatchewan last season. Uh, so he's also aboard in Hamilton. But I guess what Hamilton is facing now is similar to the situation that Calgary had to face in the season is that, okay, we've been talking about our system. You know, our system is what got us here. We still have a lot of decent wide receivers on this team, unlike in Calgary. Um, we can still make a run here if the system is that good. Yeah, they very well could. But or this could be the end of it. We we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out by Labor Day, as to what Hamilton's truly made of. Okay. Here. Well, okay. let's let's, let's okay. even look ahead here. They they go to Saskatchewan next week. Okay. Uh, right. Not exactly the place I'd want to make my first career start. Uh, it might be his first. I'm not sure if it was, but I don't think he's had very many starts. Put it that way. Um, home against BC, so that's a helpful hand there. At Ottawa, a hostile environment for sure. At BC, ooh, that that night game that never goes well for. Uh, oh, Hamilton. night game in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah sure. Hamilton in particular seems to hate that one. Right, uh, right. And then Toronto, and then Toronto on Labor Day, and then I believe they have a bye. Uh, for the weekend after, so we're gonna see pretty quickly what he's made of. If they can, if they can make a run through that and look pretty decent, uh, they could run away with the East. But if they struggle through that, yeah. then I think it's, I think everything's wide open. That is not undoable. Look, I've been ranting about Hamilton all year that the schedule makers did them favors. They have a very favorable schedule. Again. They got Winnipeg at exactly the right time already, right? They don't have to do the gauntlet out west until later in the season. At the end of the season, they get two games against Ottawa, I believe. So, you know, Hamilton has every opportunity here to prove to us that this team can survive a second-string quarterback. I'm going to be very interested to see what ha what happens with Hamilton going forward. I'm also pretty interested to see what happens with Saskatchewan Rough Riders going forward. 
They won last week 46-18 to against the BC Lions, who are not even worth talking about. I pretty much gave up on this game in the fourth when the Riders were just romping. Did BC even score a touchdown on offense? No, they did not. God damn. Wow. Wow. Again, I am so thankful that I did not get a chance to go out to Las Vegas and bet the BC Lions in the Grey Cup before the beginning of the season. I can't believe how bamboozled I almost got. Okay, so let me ask you this. Let's ignore BC Lions, but, geez, Saskatchewan putting up 46 points in Vancouver. Um, so, last week you said you weren't sure if Saskatchewan was good. What do you think this week, Joe? Still not, but at the same time, uh, they're better than the worst. So, they have that going for them, for sure. They're going to make the playoffs, though, aren't they, Joe? They win the tiebreaker now with BC. At this point, yes, that just that's dependent, <laughs> but that is also dependent on Ottawa not finding their game because I do have that's a true. little bit of faith in Ottawa's defense. I don't think they make another coaching blunder like they did. The question is, can Dominic Davis score enough points to make that defense worthwhile? I don't think so, but I'm not putting Saskatchewan in the playoffs yet. Because Saskatchewan's got to beat, uh... beat somebody other than BC or uh, did, who, they, who else did they beat? Because they beat BC in a sweep. And Toronto. they got to beat somebody Toronto. a little yeah. bit higher than that before I'm going to feel <laughs> all that confident with them. But at the same time, you got to beat the teams on your schedule, right? You, you, yeah, you, don't, right, get to, right. you don't really get to choose your schedule. So at this point, they're treading water. I'd like to see them swim a little bit more before I get all confident about the playoffs. Uh, but they're doing what they have to do at the moment to stay alive. Well, okay, but by the same token, Joe, here, look, people still have Winnipeg as the number one team. Now, I'm not going to debate that. But look, the only quality team the Bombers have beaten this season is Edmonton. Right? And yet, people are very confident about their chances. So again, I mean, look, here's what I'm looking at with Saskatchewan. I think you're right about Ottawa, okay? If Ottawa could turn it around, that's Saskatchewan's problem, okay? But here's the thing. They've basically already dispatched the BC Lions themselves, okay? And Toronto is going nowhere, (laughs) you know, as far as I'm concerned. And if Ottawa drops a couple more games here, and I don't care if it's by one point or by 40 points, the road to the playoffs is going to be damn difficult for them. Isn't it? I mean, yeah. they still have to go out west. I'm, just not, I'm not ready to does. count so, Ottawa out yet. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm counting two teams out of it, especially as far as Saskatchewan is concerned. Man, BC Lions, they, the, the, the number that they did on BC Lions in these two games – even if it doesn't take BC out mathematically, it should psychologically. I mean, they 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 crushed their spirit in these two games. I mean, again, the offense didn't even score a touchdown in this game. The special teams was the only thing keeping them in this game for like two and a half quarters. I mean, oh, this BC Lions team. Anyway, let's take a break on the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast, and we'll be back. Let's talk next week's games after this break.
Football Podcast. I'm Oz Davis. My co-host is Joe Pritchard. Let's talk next week's games. Next week's game start off with the game Joe will be attending. Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Oh, it's down. Earlier in their show, I said they were 14 and a half point favorites. They're 14 point favorites at Toronto. Um, disrespect. I'm going to ask. <laughs> disrespect. <laughs> Toronto hasn't earned any respect. In fact, I was going to ask you, how many points do you reckon Toronto is going to score in this Ten. game? Ten. Wow. Okay. So depending on how much Winnipeg is going to score, folks betting on this game are definitely going to want to take the under. It's 48 and a half, which would put the final score at like way too many points for Toronto. So take the under. Yeah, you got to go Winnipeg in this game. This is a gimme. You take Winnipeg. You take any team playing Toronto minus the points until Toronto can score Three touchdowns. Yeah, they, that's they just scored, it. That's yeah, just Toronto, it. Toronto. The only time Toronto's been over twenty this year was at Winnipeg, and that's with Winnipeg taking their foot off the gas at halftime. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Winnipeg had already gotten out to a two-figure lead, to a two and a half, three-score lead at halftime. So uh, forget it. It's over. All right. Let's talk about this game. Should be really interesting. Should reveal what about these teams, right, Joe? Hamilton, two and a half point underdogs. At Saskatchewan, Vegas is taking a wait-and-see attitude towards the Hamilton quarterback. What kind of attitude are you taking? Uh, the same attitude, because I don't like okay. having coming off of the situation you were in last week and going into this week. I don't like going to Regina to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if Saskatchewan were coming to Hamilton, I'd have no problem taking Hamilton. But going to Saskatchewan in that situation, I'm not liking it so much. I think I will take the Riders here, and I think it'll go a long way toward getting Ottawa off the map here for them. Yeah, how about it? Um, The Riders, I mean, basically as it stands right now, the Riders are really the only team with any sort of home field advantage in the right. CFL. Uh, I, I think uh, BC this Lions. Be a pretty low-scoring game, too. Uh, there'll be a couple mistakes on both sides. Okay. Uh, it's not going to be... I think that two-and-a-half line is a very good line. It's not going to be much more than that either way. Okay, well, the line is 50-and-a-half, so obviously Joe is thinking under on this one. So let's see. At 50-and-a-half, that would be a final score of about... 27 24 that feels a little high yeah. to me yeah yeah you may be right because again guess what all of a sudden now we're playing in the small ball CFL all of a sudden now all the big play guys are out right so we're playing small ball in this league so this might be a good week to bet the under Ottawa Red Blacks oh boy this is awesome I can't believe this line Ottawa Red Blacks, seven and a half point underdogs at Montreal. Love it. Love it. I think that the expectations are too high for the Alouettes here. I do believe that they're going to win this game. However, um, <laughs> you know, you know, you say you don't look at the scoreboard. You say you take these games one week at a time. And you don't want to take pleasure in an injury. But the truth is is that Montreal has got to be looking up right now. They're on a three-game winning streak. 
Haven't seen this in a long time. A four-game winning streak smells a lot like a winning team. Uh, I think that they're going to be stoked to win this game. However, I do feel like there's actually some pressure on them for the first time in four or five years. So probably Ottawa is going to cover this. It's probably going to be less than a touchdown like they took Calgary to last week. I think it's going to be a real grinded out game. But I do, I am going to take Montreal to win. Yeah, I think they're talking about Davis possibly being back. Uh I'm really kind of feeling like you are in this one. It's going to be a close one. I've got Montreal, but I don't feel real good about it because I could see, I could see on the flip side, Montreal coming oh, out and no. just laying an absolute egg. Don't do that to me. I could yeah. see that happening, and then all of a sudden we're Hamilton's talking about. has got to lose, and Montreal's got to win. This is what's got to happen, Joe. Don't do this for your me. sake. I hope so. But I could <laughs> see the opposite happening. I'm not feeling too great about either of these two, last two picks. You, you Don't you want Winnipeg versus Montreal in the Grey Cup? Well, uh, uh, Josh might jo- After... Josh might have a beef with that, but because <laughs> we were talking, we were talking on the pre on the preseason prediction show about how much we were all looking forward to Winnipeg Hamilton. But I think that was back when you believed yeah. that the uh, Alouette sucked. Yeah. Well, I mean, just things are falling into place, Joe. Things are falling into place. Not necessarily to win the Grey Cup, but to win the East. See, I mean, I I feel like the Bombers are really a team of destiny. I really, really do. I mean, and I think a lot of people are with me on this. And it would be nice if they did win because it's the system coming together. You know, it's like this is the culmination of four or five years, you know, hires and and players and whatnot coming together. People learning. Okay, it's great. It's great. But Montreal as a surprise would be awesome. Dude, it would make my day. Dude, I would would sleep with the hat that you got me at last year's Grey Cup. (laughs) I would sleep with that hat on for like weeks. In any case, let's move on. Let's not talk about my personal habits. Okay, here's the one. Um, we talked about this earlier um, before the show. I want you to guess this line for me, Joe, since you did so well last week. Um, but this is a weird one, too. Okay, so we've got Edmonton Eskimos at Calgary Stampeders. Now, what would you guess the line is on this game? Given the way things have gone as of late for these two teams... Okay. I'm going to guess that they actually have Edmonton as favorites going into Calgary. I'd say by like three points. Okay. It's actually Edmonton by one. And what's weird is that this opened as Calgary by one. (laughs) So basically, you know, the book really doesn't know. And a lot of money is coming in on this game. You usually don't see a CFL line flip like this so quickly. But either somebody made a very large bet or a lot of money is coming in on this game. This could be a great game as well. I'm very interested to see how the Calgary defense, which has been very stingy this season in terms of points, does with the Edmonton Eskimos, who have got quite the reputation for holding the ball for long times and never putting it in the end zone or through the uprights, for that matter, against decent defenses. Um, Let's see. You know what? I think I'm going to pick the opposite of whatever you picked, Joe. So what are you going okay, with? Okay, so you're taking the Eskimos then. Oh, okay. You're going to go Calgary? Go with okay. Calgary. Why? What's your argument? Because even with their injuries, they've scored more points than Edmonton has. They have the type of defense that would make 
the Trevor Harris-led offense uh, be less than the sum of its parts. And I believe this team still believes that they're the best team in the West. So, and and you throw that all into McMahon okay. Stadium, I'm taking Calgary, okay. especially if you're giving me a point. Right, so you're going Calgary plus the point and the swagger. Uh-huh. Plus, plus one point is actually really meaningless because they no longer, they used to way back in the day, they used to pay out based on just regular time. Right, so if it was a tie, then plus one point meant something. But plus one point means absolutely nothing. So I don't even know why they post that. On the money line, they're they're basically identical. So you might as well just take one of these teams to win if you think they would win. Okay, so I say Edmonton wins. I say um, they get in the end zone, you know, a couple of times, and and Calgary only gets in once. You know, that, that's probably the pattern for victory. Probably Edmonton wins if more points are scored than we expect. Uh, the over-under is 48. So I suppose if you're taking Calgary, you think it's under, yes, Joe. and I also think if, I, if we're going to be uh, making a bold prediction here, which I feel like doing, okay. uh, there's going to okay. be an Edmonton player doing something stupid in the last five minutes that swings this game. <laughs> I... Okay. Who? I'm not gonna say who. I don't have. <laughs> I, I don't have a crystal ball or anything. But I just feel like this is a game ripe for something just terrible to happen to to swing it. So you figure it's gonna be really close, I do, right? Absolutely. You like the line on this game. I, I do. Okay, okay, I do. Okay. But yeah. I think I think all the small intangibles swing toward Calgary, especially the fact that Edmonton seems to have a propensity for making more mistakes than they should. And I think one of those mistakes is going to be absolutely critical this week. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you backed me into a bad pick because you're right. You're right. I mean, again, Edmonton can get away with taking gratuitous penalties against the Toronto Argonauts, but they're not going to be able to do that against Calgary. So, yeah, Calgary is probably the better pick here. But, hey, just for posterity, I'll go Edmonton. I mean, Calgary can't win every game we expect them to win this season, right? Because this is the CFL. <laughs> on that note let's get out of here um, Joe bon voyage I will have a lot of fun yeah have fun in Toronto man um, where are your seats uh, four rows behind the bomber bench toward the end closest to the end zone oh okay. I figured I figured That's... that I usually sit up high to see everything on the field as it happens I figured just this once I'll go f- I'll go for some atmosphere instead yeah cool cool now now have you never been to Toronto before I have for Great Cup a few years okay. ago oh that's right that's right that's right that's right I remember this okay great yeah I have actually never been to Toronto I hear it's a great city so many people have told me it's awesome. I think you should go. Uh, a friend of the show, Kevin Holden, well, is absolutely enthralled with the place and has many great suggestions for me, which I definitely uh, appreciate. Uh, he was actually just there a couple weeks ago. If we had a synced our calendars up a little bit better, we could have seen each other there because uh, we've seen each other all of once living like an hour and a half away from each other. Why not meet somewhere exotic like Toronto? <laughs> I think <laughs> somewhere exotic. 
I think I should go there too, Joe. It's just that, you know, I've got one wife and one daughter who love California way too much, man. I, I want to move. I'm a Canadian wannabe. You know that. You know I am. So yeah, yeah. I would move there yeah, too. You, you making tomorrow. the recommendation of Kin's Convenience last week was actually kind of a surprise <laughs> to me. I thought I was the. Uh, I thought I was going to be the one making recommendations like that to you. Well, okay. Here's the sick thing, Joe. Okay, here's here's the wonderful world of the internet and podcasting in a nutshell for all the listeners. Okay, so I missed that one show. Uh, the last show that I missed it had to have been about half a year ago. And uh, I believe you had you might have had Josh on of Podski Wee Wee. And for some reason, you guys started talking about Canadian sitcoms. And you started talking about uh, Corner Gas, right? And so I listened to that podcast because, of course, I mixed down the podcast. So I never listened to it. Right on my own. I, I just, you know, I figure it's good enough. I listen to it all the way through. I don't want to hear myself talk anymore. No offense, Joe, but I don't want to hear you talk anymore. Probably a you know, so I just release it. <laughs> but on that one, I listened to it because I had no idea what you guys talked about. And so you guys are talking about corner gas and all this stuff, right? And so then I'm doing my other podcast called The MacGuffin Report about movies and TV and pop culture. That's the MacGuffin Report. You can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at the MacGuffin Pod. Um, please check us out. And uh, they put up this show, Kim's Convenience. And after the podcast, I had checked out a bunch of corner guests. I watched like two or three episodes. You know, I'm very hard to please when it comes to TV. And so I thought it was very um, aughts. I thought it was very, you know, 2000s. I thought it was, it was a lot like Northern Exposure, I thought. Except a bit more uh, hyper than Northern Exposure, um, and so, and then I saw this Kim's Convenience on my other stuff, and I'm just like, this is exactly the same, <laughs> you know. This is Corner Gas except in Toronto, you know, with with uh, Koreans. Uh, we do a lot of Asian theme stuff because my two co-hosts on the McGuffin Report are uh, Korean Americans. And so we do a lot of, you know, stuff about agents. I think we're doing a Bruce Lee uh, podcast sometime soon about Bruce Lee movies and, and uh, Michelle Yeoh movies. In any case, um, so this is why. This is why I recommended Kim's Convenience. Now, did you watch any of Kim's, Kim's Convenience? I want to say we're about halfway through the first season already. Dope! Uh, Three Dude. episodes, um, both. Uh, I don't. Want, I, I'm not sure. Three, but three episodes and a couple okay. of viewings each. So, since I got you here, I'm gonna do a little crossover. Okay. So on the MacGuffin report, um, my, one of my contentions is that first show, right? The pilot episode, if you want to call it that, because it wasn't really a pilot, but the first episode, right? The one about uh, Pride yes. Parade, right? Okay. That moment where Mr. Kim talks to the crossdresser guy is one of the best, like, 45 seconds of TV I've ever seen. Literally. I mean, I just thought that whole show, I thought that first episode, anything inside the store was brilliant. I mean, this is really like TV at its best. And I, and I am super picky about TV. So Kim's Convenience for me is about 70% awesome 
because every time they go outside the store, I can't stand it. But like everything inside the store is just golden to me. It's just like magic. I just love it. I just love it. So I don't know. I mean, here we are. Like half of our audience is Canadian, so they already know about this show. But uh, where where are you catching it, Joe? On Netflix? Yes, uh, Netflix uh, down on our side of the border. Uh, I'm sure they yeah. can. I'm sure they have uh, our Canadian audience knows where to find it already. But on our yeah. side of the border, Netflix. Uh, Oz recommends it, and Oz knows things about pop culture, and I don't <laughs> because I spend far <laughs> too much time thinking about football and baseball and <laughs> other such endeavors that don't involve TV too much. Except for when they play the games. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what. See, I recommend Kim's Convenience, and I don't like anything on TV. So so that means something. I mean, I am really picky, especially if it's not from Britain. If it's not from England, I can't stand it usually. So in any case, all right, let's get out of here. Enough, enough talk about TV and pop culture. My name is Oz Davis for my co-host Joe Pritchard. This has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Have fun in Toronto, Joe, for the rest of y'all. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 